Hey, welcome and thanks for worshiping with us. Uh, go ahead and drop a comment in the chat and let us know where you're watching from and take a moment to share this with your family and friends. And our prayer today as we worship with you is that you would draw near to God, He would draw near to you because He promises that when you seek Him, you'll find Him. Amen. Let's worship. Come on, let's sing this. People come together.
everybody. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, here at Sandals Church, we're all about the vision of being real with ourselves, God, and others. I am so glad that you're here. Hey, right now we're in a series called Election, and it's all about God's view of politics. I realize this is a complex topic to dive into. You may even be feeling strain on your relationships because of the current political climate. The Debrief Podcast with Pastor Matt is showing us how to navigate our political views and maintain real relationships with others. Pastor Matt will be answering your questions every week on the Debrief Podcast. So if you have questions from this message, or if you want to take a deeper dive into this election series, check out the podcast by visiting debrief.show, and you can send all of your questions to Pastor Matt at move.sc ask. Before we hear from our lead pastor, Matt Brown, I want to give a shout out to our Sandals Church online communities all around the world. If you want to have a Sandals Church experience in your home with family and friends, you can check out sandalschurch.com anywhere. Guys, I'm so excited to jump into this message with our lead pastor, Matt Brown. So let's do this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome back, Sandals Church. Thank you, that's enough, that's enough. Too much clapping. Thank you so much for tuning in again. Sandals Church, love you so much. Thank you for everybody who's coming out and worshiping with us and and just gathering together once again at our local campuses. Look, I love you guys so much. We're in this series, a controversial series, a series called Election, but let's just remind ourselves that you know, politics is the movement of people to determine their future. Election is the movement, movement of God to determine our eternity. And so we're in this series called Election, but a lot of you are still focused on politics. And so last week, unbeknownst to me, I wore a blue tie, which apparently means that I am of the Democratic flavor. What, what you need to know is I own one suit, and that was the only tie that I had that was a color, and so I wore it, and I thought our flag was red, white, and blue, but some of you were a little offended, and so this week I went out, spent a little money, got a new suit, now I have two suits, and Republicans, relax, I'm wearing a red tie. So you can breathe easy, and now all the Democrats got to twitch. They're like, oh my gosh, I don't even know if I can look at a red tie. Let's just chill out, relax. And today we're going to talk about, wait for it, the downside of democracy. The downside. I think all we talk about is the upside, right? We encourage it, we talk about it, and that's great. And a lot of you who call yourselves Christians, you assume that democracy is always the best way to govern right? It's always the best way. I'm not saying it's the worst way. I'm just saying maybe it's not the best way. Some Christians even go so far as to believe it's the biblical way to lead countries. And what you need to know is the Bible reveals a completely different story. In scripture, the people of God are led in various ways. Sometimes they're governed by kings, right? A monarchy. Sometimes they're governed and led by priests, maybe a theocracy. Sometimes they're, they're led by prophets. I don't even know what to call that, prophecy. And other times they're led by judges, which is a really interesting book, right? For all of you who are, are so convinced the Supreme Court will lead us. That's one of the craziest times in Israel's history. But there's one time in the Bible where they specifically are led through a democratic process. And just so you know, things go horribly wrong. Horribly wrong. Don't get me wrong. I believe that we are blessed to live in a representative form of government. I'm glad that we get to participate but you need to know, remember, I'm a, I'm a poli-sci major. That means I studied political science. That's what I was all about before Jesus saved me from that mess. You need to know that our founding fathers had grave concerns. Grave concerns 
Which is why when you were a little kid and you pledge allegiance, you don't pledge allegiance to the United States of America for the democracy which it stands. You pledge allegiance to the republic. It's a representative form of government and not, and not a democracy. So let's talk about the downside of democracy. So what is the downside of democracy? Number one, and never forget this, voting always divides. It always divides. Somebody told me uh, they were in a, really uh, wanted to be in a political discussion and they said capitalism picks winners and losers. Not really, but democracy does. Democracy picks winners and losers. And by definition, somebody always loses. Like if you don't believe me and you're a parent, let me tell you something. I can prove this to you right now, today. Tell your kids we're going to ice cream. Daddy is great, right? We're gonna get some chocolate, whatever. We're going, we're going to get some ice cream. Everybody's exciting, excited. And then say, we're gonna take a vote on where we go get ice cream. Okay, and let all the kids vote. And I guarantee you, they're not gonna vote for the same place. The older, smarter kids are gonna try to manipulate the maybe not so smart younger kids, right? But you're gonna pick a winner. And what that means is the kids that didn't get their way, they're not gonna be happy they got ice cream. Then when you get there, vote on the flavor. Let's vote on the flavor. Then you really want to get upset, vote on toppings. Then you really want to get upset, vote on a sugar cone or whatever God knows that original cone was. <laughs> You're going to have kids crying on the floor and they hate ice cream, hate you, hate the process, put a little resist bumper sticker on their bicycle and they're done. They're done. I don't care what it is or how unified you think you are, whenever you vote, you divide. It just is. My wife and I, man, we went to buy a couch. I thought that was a good thing. We had money. We, we, we decided to go together. We're going to do a good thing. It was not a good thing. And we left in a very bad way, discussing the merits of our entire marriage over the purchase of one couch. We bought couches before. We will buy couches again. We love each other. I love her more than you. But man, we couldn't agree. We could not agree. Because whenever you have a say, you have to listen to somebody else's say. And when someone has a say, not everybody gets their way. Man, that rhymes, doesn't it? Hey, come on now. So let's take a look at the one time in scripture where God's people vote. And here's what's so sad is a lot of churches haven't learned from this disaster. I grew up Baptist. We vote over everything, which means we fought over everything, which means, you know, they say, well, Baptists have the most churches. Let me tell you why. It's not because we planted them. It's because they split and split and split and split. And I can prove it to you. The last time we had a political vote in Sandals Church history, the vote was 165 in favor to two. Guess what happened to the two people who didn't get their way? Do you think they stayed at Sandals Church and just really praised and appreciated the voting process? No, they left and they've never come back. And you know why that is? People only believe in voting when they win. Numbers 13, 25. You say, Pastor Matt, we're in Joshua. Yeah, we're in Joshua, but I gotta tell you why Joshua was in charge. It's because Moses failed. Moses was called to be a leader, and instead of leading, he took a vote. And guess what? When they took a vote, it didn't go his way. Numbers 13, 25, Moses sent spies out into the land. Now, to bring you guys up to speed, the Israelites were in Egypt as slaves for 400 years. God miraculously delivers them time and time again, does incredible, crazy, amazing things that proves to the people of God, God's in control. Remember last week? But it's, it's, it's one thing to believe theologically God's in control. It's another to live it out. And so the people forget what God did to Pharaoh. The people forget what God did to the Red Sea. The people forget how he fed them miraculously, how he did wonders for them. And now God, listen to me, is asking them to enter into the promised land. And they just can't do it because it's scary to follow God, which is why three times God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, because even as amazing as Moses was, he wimped out when he needed courage the most. So Numbers 13, 25, Moses appointed 12 spies to go out and look at the land and come back and report to the people. Now, just so you know, Moses did what God said. God told Moses to send out 12 spies so they could come back and report to the people how good the land was. But I want you to notice that's not the information the people came back with. 
So Moses was supposed to send them into land to report how good the land was. God never told him to listen to the spies. So Numbers 13, 25, after exploring the land for 40 days, these 12 spies, 12 men, 12 explorers, whatever you want to call them, returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. And they reported to the whole community what they had seen, and, and they showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. Now remember, these people are eating manna. You're like, what's that? We don't know. The word manna means, what's this? We don't know what it was. They were eating, what? I don't know. And now there's grapes and fruit and there's beautiful, wonderful things, right? They've been drinking water and eating bad whatever, manna. And here's all this food, all this fruit, all this good stuff. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. And this was their report to Moses. We entered the land that you sent us to explore. And indeed, it is a bountiful country. I want you to know that there's never a famine in heaven. There's never a shortage in heaven. There's never a lack of anything when you depend on God. There's only a lack of things when you depend upon yourself. We entered the land you sent us to explore. And indeed, it is a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. And some of you are like, gross, I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs> what they mean is, guys, there are things here that we could have never imagined. There's beautiful, amazing, incredible food here. And for those of you who are blessed to live in Southern California, the climate of the promised land is just like California. Parts of it look like San Diego. Parts of it look like Riverside. Parts of it look like Los Angeles, right? Some of it looks like Glamis, don't go there. But it's a beautiful, beautiful land. We entered the land and it is truly great. Here's the kind of fruit it produces and they showed it to the people. But here comes the big but. But the people living there are powerful. Their towns are large and fortified. And we even saw giants there. Ooh. The descendants of the Anak, the Anakim. You say, who are they? Man, they're from the Nephilim. Who are they? We don't know. They're just scary. They're scary. They're terrifying. The, Ak the, the Amakalites live there in Negev. The Hittites, remember them? They hit hard. Boom. The Jebusites, the Amorites, they all live in the hill country. Man, it's full of people. Oh, and by the way, the Canaanites live there along the coast of the Mediterranean and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb, Caleb, one guy stands up and he tried to quiet the people, right? Because they all got afraid, they all got scared. He said, listen to me, listen to me, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. We can do it. He said, we can do it. So immediately when there's a vote, the people of God, not just the Americans, the people of God are divided. You take a vote, you can divide families, you can divide churches, you can divide groups of people, you can divide countries, you can even divide Israel. And they were divided 10 to two. 10 said, we can't do it, we can't go, we're all gonna die. And two, a guy by the name of Caleb, and another guy, the hero, in our series, Joshua said, we can go, we can go, we can take this land. So never forget this. Whenever you take a vote, you've just divided your people. It just does. Even when you look at our Supreme Court, you have judges who study law. They're looking at the same case, the same evidence, and they're basing their decision off the same constitution, and it's not that long. And I can't tell you how many decisions are 5-4. 5-4. Even experts who are supposed to look at the same facts, the same situation, come up with opposite conclusions time and time again. Be careful that you don't fall in love with democracy. Be careful that you fall in love with God. And some of you are so shocked. I can't believe how disunified we are. And then we lie. You know, one party says we're gonna unify the country. You're gonna unify about 45%, just like the other side unifies about 45%. And the rest of us are just like, can you guys just get along? so we can figure this out and move forward. Number two, voting ignites our deepest fears. It does. Like some of you, man, you, you, you got boogeymen that you thought you put to rest a long time ago. At least when you were a kid, you were honest. You looked under the bed, okay? And now we forget to look under the bed and those monsters that we thought we put to sleep a long time ago, they constantly creep up and they come out. And so much of the chaos that we see in our political process is because we are led by fear. We are constantly frightened. And, and many of us don't even know what our candidate is for. We just know the other person's evil. 
The other person's evil. And we throw out words like Hitler, Mussolini, and we use all of these descriptive you know, names to try to frighten other people. Let me tell you something. America doesn't have Mussolini or Hitler on either side. On either side. Now, they may not be who you want, and they may have policies that you disagree with, but we've got to be very, very careful. And instead of being afraid of what the other side is saying, maybe we should start actually listening to what they say. Numbers 13, 31 through 33. But the other men who explored the land with them disagreed. Amen. Why? They took a vote. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. And listen to this. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. Remember, it was good. There was great fruit. No, no, no. It was bad fruit. Actually, we ate it. We got diarrhea. And then we got sick. And then so-and-so died. Right? They took out political ad campaigns. If this happens, you won't have police. If this happens, you know, this won't happen. If this happens, you're going to lose all of your rights. If this happens, we're going to be communists. Right? You name it. And they scare people and they scare people and they scare people. Let me tell you something, technology may change, people don't. Rather than tell you what they're for, they wanna show you what you should be against. I have people that say horrendous things about me. Some of you that are listening right now, well job, good and faithful servant. You say terrible things about me. I mean, you know things about me that I don't even know about myself. And you're so sure. Man, it brings out our deepest fears. They said the land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone that goes to live there. What, it just, it just went from milk and honey to you're gonna die. You're gonna die. And what happens nowadays, right? We scare old people. You're gonna lose social security. Medicine's gonna cost a trillion dollars. We scare our old people. We terrify them, scare them to death. These are our politicians. Rather than just saying we disagree, on how much money you should pay for medicine and how you get it. Here's his plan, here's my plan. No, you're gonna die. You're all gonna die. We're gonna leave you out in the street. It's gonna be like family vacation. One of my favorite movies from the 80s, put grandma on the, on the roof of the station wagon. We just go. <laughs> all the young people are like, what? It's funny. <laughs> the land we traveled through and explored, man, it will devour any, anyone. If you even go there, if you even think about it, all the people we saw there were huge, huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. Oh, and listen to this. And that's what they thought of us too. They thought we were pathetic. Well, what did Pharaoh think about us? Never mind, never mind. Are they more powerful than Pharaoh? Be quiet, shut up. You're a part of them, you're a spy. It's so amazing. We're so afraid. We're so afraid. Oh, Pastor Matt. Oh, he wore a blue tie. Tiegate. Hashtag Tiegate. <laughs> I mean, at least some of you said great sermon, but your tie. Some of you didn't even go to great sermon. You're just, your tie was inappropriate. Isn't it so sad? People won't even deal with the substance of what I've said. They're trying to find the hidden meaning. Then the whole community, oh my gosh, began weeping out loud. Anybody remember when Trump was elected? If you're a liberal, you're still alive. Right, you're still here. Oh, he's well, gonna die tomorrow. You're still here. You feel the same way? All the conservatives, oh, when Obama, oh my gosh, I don't even know where he was born. Good grief. Good grief. Right, and you go crazy and you say ridiculous things. The whole community began weeping. Oh my gosh, what's gonna happen if Trump gets elected? The same thing that's happening right now. What happens if Biden gets elected? Probably very similar to when Obama was there. Right, we were all still here. We're all still here. We're gonna be okay. Oh, we might go communist. You know, there's a church in communist China. They meet, they worship. You know, there, there's churches in capitalist areas, there's churches in communist areas. Listen, it doesn't matter what our political system is, we're still called to serve Christ and share our faith. And some of you are, are, are far more worried about your pocketbook or your voting preference than you are for lost souls. Then the whole community began weeping, oh my gosh, they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus. Oh, and if you're on the left, don't be offended. 
their voices rose in a great chorus of protest. Right? Against Moses and Aaron. Protests aren't new. Who do we always protest? Whoever's in charge. Who's ever in charge? Drives me crazy. For eight years when Obama was elected, I literally had to fight crazy conservatives. Obama's not my president. Well, he is. And then some of you now, you're crazy about Trump. I'm going to resist. Okay, then we don't actually have elections. Elections don't actually matter. Listen to what they say. They freak out. They lose their minds. This is how bad it gets. Oh, if we'd only died in Egypt. What? Well, are you kidding me? It would have been better if you died. You want to drown in the Red Sea? Yes. I don't know how I want to die. I'm pretty sure drowning is not on the list. Or even here in the wilderness. I want to get to be eaten by a coyote. I want to be torn to pieces. I want to starve to death of food or be famished from water. We would, we would rather die than trust God. And that's what some of you are saying. They complained. Last week, where's God? Why is the Lord taking us into this country? Where did he say he was going to take you when you left Egypt? Oh, here. Why is the Lord taking us here in this country only to have us die in battle? Well, wait a minute. I thought you didn't care. I thought you wanted to die. You just don't want to die for God. Oh, our wives and our little ones. Doesn't that sound like a politician? What will happen to the children? Doesn't matter because they're not learning anything, right? Amen. We're all, we're all in trouble. Can you imagine 10 years from now, you go to a bank and you try to get somebody to add your stuff? They're like, yeah, duh. I feel like you might have money. Our wives and our little ones. Oh, the children. The children. Our wives and our little ones. They will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better us for return to Egypt? Oh, man. They want to go back to slavery rather than be free. And so do some of you. Some of you listen to the pull of slavery. You do. You know what it's like to be an addict. And your brain still gnaws for that feeling of the high. But you forget that it makes you its slave. Right? You're sitting at home. Wife's gone. husband gone. Friends are gone. And the lure of the computer to things that you know you should not look at and you forget the hollowness that you feel because porn is not intimacy. It's just sin. It promises, but it never delivers. Oh, if I could just go back and do it my way. If I could just go back to when Pharaoh made me kill my firstborn son. Remember the good old days? Remember the good old days? Make Egypt great again. Too political? Then they plotted amongst themselves. Oh, let's choose a new leader, right? Because the problem's never you, is it? It's never you. Let's, let's choose a new leader, and then let's go back to Egypt. You know what we do every four years in America? We pretend the problem isn't us. We pretend the problem isn't us. I don't know if you got to watch the debate or not, but I did all 90 minutes of it. Maybe the worst 90 minutes of my life. <laughs> but you know why I forced myself to listen? Because I didn't want someone else to tell me what was said. It's hard in our culture to find out what actually is said and what actually happens because everything is twisted and everything has a perspective and a goal. And we are all manipulated. But I want you to know this. When I'm being led by fear, I am not being led by God. And some of you are so afraid, you're so terrified. And here's the thing that you need to know. Here's what, here's what the debate proves. Voting can bring out the worst in all of us. Everybody's texting me, Pastor Matt, who do you think won? Who do you think won? You know what my answer is? Whoever didn't watch. That's who won. But you know, I've seen all the memes making fun of Biden, making fun of Trump. You know what I think they are? I think they are an accurate, an accurate picture of our country. Because we all act like, well, who nominated these guys? <laughs> you. No. We're responsible. Like we all hate Congress. Who sends them there? 
Congress has a 7% positive rate. 7%! Who voted them in? You. Listen to me. So much of it was terrible, constant interruption, constant insults. It was like Twitter in real time. Listen, I think Biden and Trump show us where we are, but it's not where we should be. It's not where we should be, but it's where we are. So what happened? Moses and Aaron, they fell on their face. I hear Christians all the time asking people, did you vote? Let me ask you a question. Have you prayed? Moses and Aaron don't demand another vote. They, they pray. They fall to the face on the ground before the whole community in Israel. And two of the men who had explored the land, just two, Joshua, the son of nobody, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, they tore their clothing. And they said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored, it, it's a wonderful land. It's a wonderful land. And let me say this about America. Some of you hate America because you ain't been anywhere else. And a lot of the world, I don't know whether they mocked our debate or not. I still know this. They want to come here. I've been all over the world. I've seen all kinds of poverty. I've seen people of all colors, all religions, all races. And I've had people tell me, my dream, my one goal in life is to go to America. And I said, to do what? They don't have a plan after getting here. Getting here is the goal. We're blessed to live here. And yeah, it's not perfect. Yeah, it's a mess. And yeah, the debate was, okay, I took a Xanax, amen? I didn't, because I didn't have one. They said to all the people of Israel, look, the land we traveled through and explored, it's, it's a wonderful land. It's a wonderful land. And so many of you, I want to ask you and challenge you, you, you hate America, but what are you comparing it to? If you're comparing it to perfection, yeah, it's gross. But all over the world, people hate each other, people kill each other, people destroy each other. As we speak right now, two countries in the former Soviet Union are slaughtering one, one another, and you don't even know about it. Tanks, armies, guns, death. And they might even be of the same religion, I'm not sure. Killing each other. It happens all the time. And you know why that is? You and I are people, but we're animals unless we choose to become something else. And we have to choose. We have to choose to become something else. We have to decide to be different. You want the political, uh, you want the political parties to be different? Then start with you. You want our political system to be different? Then start with you. You want America to be better? Then start with you. They said, the, they said to the people of Israel, the land that we traveled through and explored, it's a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and he will give it to us. Is God pleased with us? Is he pleased with you? So many of you are, are just, I, I've watched you as I look at your social media posts and you're so convinced that voting for a candidate is the way to change the world. You know what's wrong with candidates? They're people. You know what people's problem is? They're sinners. Democrat or Republican, they're sinners. And we gotta stop, stop thinking that voting for a person or a party is going to be the change. Let me ask you a question. Is the Lord pleased with you? Joshua and Caleb say it is a land flowing with milk and honey. Look, I don't know where you are. I don't know what COVID's done to you. I don't know if you've lost your job. I know some of you may have lost your mind. I want you to know that there's a land, there's a place that God wants to take you to right now, today, right here. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's, not, it's a land free of conflict and it's a land full of peace. It's not a democracy, it's a kingdom. It's a kingdom. And you don't get to vote for who's in charge. You just get to vote as to whether or not you go. It's a rich land flowing with milk and honey. 
Oh, but here's the problem. Do not rebel against the Lord. Some of you don't know what sin is. Sin is rebellion against God. And you say, well, I'm not that bad of a sinner. Or you could say, I'm not that good of a rebel. You're a rebel. We're all rebels. We all fight God all day, every day. God says, we make excuses. God commands, we say no. God says, go here, we run there. Do not rebel against the Lord. And don't be afraid of these people in the land. They're not the problem. You are. They are helpless, pray to us. They're helpless. One of the things I have very little patience for is when parents are exasperated by their two-year-old. What are we going to do? You're bigger. You're bigger. Hold them down. Don't kill them. Just hold them down. At some point, they will give up. You just have to have courage. You just have to be strong. You have to be courageous. What are they going to do? God says, don't worry about them. Trust me. Follow me. Mom, dad, I put you in charge. It's why it's one of the Ten Commandments. You can win over this two-year-old. Oh, no, we can't. Listen to what he says. They have no protection. But the Lord is with us. How did they respond? The whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. What happens when you stand up for God? You get killed. Point number four. The majority is not always moral. If you learn anything from our nation's history, you can learn that the majority did not live up to the values of the Declaration of Independence and the values of our Constitution. Listen to me, if you're a person of color, you, you need to know that the term minority is not about skin color, it's about numbers. And what it means is America has historically abused those in the minority because of the power and force of the majority. And we all run around today wondering what the majority says, what the majority thinks, rather than what's moral, what's good, what's right, what's true. I don't care what the Fox poll says or CNN says. What's right? What's good? What's true? Not what's popular. Man, you live your life to be popular, you're doomed. You're doomed. Luke 23, 23 says this, the mob shouted louder and louder, demanding that Jesus be crucified and their voices prevailed. Did good win that day? We killed the son of God. We killed Jesus, the only morally perfect human being in the history of the world. Because the majority won. You don't think Jesus' mother was crying? No, no. She just didn't have the numbers. She didn't have the votes. She didn't have the money for the political ads. And she lost that day. But thank God, Jesus Christ is willing to lose so you could win. So you could win. Can I ask you a question? Regardless of who wins the election, are we winning? Are we winning? There were things that were said in that debate. If one of my children said, if one of my children said, they'd be in trouble. And some of you cheered. Some of you cheered when the President of the United States was told to shut up on national TV. And if you're a Democrat, I thought you were going to bring back decency. Now, I can't stand the way Trump communicates. I can't stand it. But look at yourself. Here's what we need to learn to do. If we want to change our country, we have to attack policy, not persons. We have to attack policy, not people. The reason we go to name calling is we've run out of policies. And we don't know actually what we're talking about anymore. It's just, I don't like you and you don't like me. Well, who cares? What's right? What's the policy? And we've got to learn and we've got to teach our children. I looked at my son when that was said. I said, that's why you need to be in debate. So you can actually learn to be reasonable when you disagree. Do we need any help going by our feelings? 
I don't, I, I think we're good. I think we're good expressing feelings. I don't know that we're real good with reasonable dialogue. Number five, last point, I'm getting hot. I don't know how pastors used to do this. This is, this is, man. No wonder they talked about hell. You feel like you're in it when you're preaching. Last point, can I be honest with you? There's only one vote that matters forever. One vote. In these 10 weeks, we're gonna sit in the book of Joshua and we are gonna look at how God moved in a political way. And we're gonna learn to see politics through his eyes. But I want you to know that Joshua is such a great model for us, how to fight hard, how to be a man of conviction, how to press for what he thinks is right. But at the end of his life, at the end of his career, when he was a servant of God, here's what he says in Joshua 24, 14 through 15. It's one of the most favorite, famous verses in the Bible. Joshua tells the people of Israel, he says, choose this day whom you will serve. You know what the problem with democracy is? Democracy is where you and I choose who will serve us. Election is where we will choose who we serve. One process is self-centered. You know what's wrong with our country? We don't have one king. We have 340 million kings. And they're all demanding their own way and they're mad when they don't get it. One process is self-centered, the other is God-centered. Look, I, I don't know how the election's gonna turn out. Let me ask you, how's your election gonna turn out? Here's the good news. We ain't gonna live here forever. I'm gonna live in a city where the streets don't look like Portland. I'm gonna live in a city where the Father and the Son love each other and don't slaughter one another. I'm gonna live in a place of peace. Where are you gonna live? Listen to me, if you want your life to change, then you need to change what you're voting for. What are you voting for? Joshua says, choose, choose this day, choose. Who will you serve? So the Hebrew language is a really, really old language. It's been used for thousands of years. And the word choose is bachar, bachar. In modern Hebrew, they don't say bachar, they say bocher. Same word, same word. And the old word that meant to choose is the same word that Israelis use today to vote. Vote for today whom you will serve. Vote, cast your vote. Look, I don't know where your ballot's going on earth, but I know where it goes in heaven. And it goes straight to God, straight into the arms of Jesus. God voted for you, he died for you on the cross. He gave his one and only son. Who will you vote for? Who will you choose? Joshua 1, 9 through 11. Moses took a vote. Look at this, Joshua commanded. Moses said, hey officers, how are you feeling? What are you thinking? Joshua commanded the officers of the people. He said, pass through the midst of the camp. Pass through the, mid the midst of the camp. Some of you don't know where the Israelites are camping. It's a little town called Shittim. Let me spell it for you. S-H-I-T-T-I-M. Some of you are camping in Shittim. And you're saying, God, I'm sick of this Shittim. And God's saying, then vote for me. <laughs> then vote for me. And right now, mothers are covering their children's ears. Oh my gosh, Pastor Matt just quoted the Bible. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, are you sick of Shittim? Are you sick of living here? Are you ready for something else? Then walk through the camp and don't take a vote. I don't care what they're doing. We are following God. Prepare your provisions for in three days you are to pass over this Jordan and you are going to take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And some of you, you're so caught up with what everyone else has. We're so aware, right, of the cars others drive, the houses they live in, the money they make. Those possessions all go away. They all burn. They all disappear. The only thing that lasts 
is do you possess Jesus? And does Jesus possess you? And I know so many of you are frightened, but Matt, but Matt, the election, I know. Send me all your questions. I'll do the best I can on the debrief. Send them in. I promise to offend everyone equally. <laughs> but listen to me. Some of you are so consumed with what everyone else is doing. Listen to Joshua. Remember last week I said he's the first person that has his name changed in the Bible? Do you know that's wrong? We all laugh when one candidate, the opposing candidate, says it wrong. You talk forever. Stuff comes out wrong. I was listening to my sermon. I'm like, Joshua was the first person in the Bible to have his name changed. I'm like, <laughs> Joshua is the first person in the Bible to have his name changed that included the personal name of God, Yahweh, Yahose, Yoshe, Yoshea. There we go. I knew I'd get there. You see, Joshua, his name means deliverer. Moses says, no, 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 no. The Lord delivers. The Lord delivers. We're gonna close with this. Joshua 24, choose this day whom you will serve. Wait for it. Do what you want. Believe what you want. Vote for who you want. Go where you want. As for me and my house, we will bocher the Lord. We choose the Lord. Who do you choose? Some of your kids know whether you're a Democrat or Republican. They don't know where you stand on Jesus. It doesn't matter what everyone else is saying. Joshua says, forget about everyone else. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Are you serving the Lord? Have you given your life to the Lord? Right now, as I speak, God has already voted for you. He voted when he died on the cross for you. And what he's waiting for and what he's asking is, will you vote for me? Will you confess your sins? Will you repent and turn from your ways and turn to God? God has already turned to you. Right, the ballot's in your hands. The ballot's in your hands. And here's the good news. The Lord will honor our vote forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the mighty, powerful, amazing name of Jesus, God, let us today choose the Lord. Some of us right now, we've convinced ourselves we've chosen, but we never have. We, we vacillate every day. We're to the left, we're to the right. We've never voted for you. God, right now, where we are, would we just stop and would we just pray, Lord, I vote for you. I choose you. No matter what the world does, no matter what happens in the election, I choose you. Because November 3rd is not my future forever. Heaven is. Give me that peace. Give me your presence and help me to follow and trust you like Joshua. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. What a challenging message we just heard from Pastor Matt. He asked us all a great question. Who have we chosen? Many of us have chosen a party, a candidate, maybe a movement to get behind. But have you chosen Christ to rule in your heart? For some of you, this is the question you need to ask yourselves today. Have I chosen Jesus to lead my life? And then there may be others of you that need to take your next step in your journey with Jesus. If you want to take that next step of furthering this life with Christ, you can go to sandalschurch.com next right now. We would love to help you no matter what your next step is. We are seeing people take that next step to follow Jesus all over the world, and that happens because you give to Sandals Church. Thank you so much. If you would like to be a part of life change around the world, you can go to give.sc right now and be a part of people saying yes to Jesus for the first time. So right now we wanna introduce a new song to you. The song is all about how the battles that we face belong to God. We can be confident that nothing we face can stand against the power of our God. As you listen and learn this song, join us in worship right now from wherever you are. When all I see is the mountain 
just of our praise, but also our trust. And so in this moment, as we sing and as we worship, God, would you fill us and would you refresh us with a new faith? Sometimes we get tired and it doesn't change who you are, but God, sometimes we're tired and we need a new outpouring. And so right now, would you give us a fresh faith as we sing, as we worship you? God, who's good and constant, our firm foundation, all of our hope. We need you right now in this moment. So would you come? Come on, let's sing this. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. He's worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy 
every circumstance, into everything, because your name is the name that breathes life. And God, we need your life. We're here surrendered before you because we need you. So would you come and would you fill every space, this space, and every home and every heart. Come refresh us, come renew our strength. We are weak, but you are strong and we trust you. Would you come? Come on, church, let's sing. Come on, let's wait upon the Lord. He will renew our strength if we just wait. follow you because you are with us wherever we go and we praise you and we worship you for you are with us thank you for meeting us in this place and for giving us a place where we can come and gather together and sing and worship thank you for meeting us here we love you Jesus and we pray these things and we sing in your name amen Thank you guys so much for joining us. We're so grateful that you joined us for church. And we'll see you right back here this week.